afternoon ride time here on TSN 1290, your radio home of the Winnipeg Jets. Andrew Patterson, Rick Ralph with you. If you're just tuning in right now, the Jets have signed Patrick Line to a two-year deal. Rick, six mil in the first year, 7.5 in the second year, and uh, he is now signed, sealed, and delivered on his way back to Winnipeg, and uh, it's time for Kyle Connor to get the deal done and these guys to get that season going next week in New York City. What's up? Well, they needed to get this done. Uh, both sides did, and apparently one came down a little bit, that being the line A side, and the Jets side came up a little bit. And that's, I don't know that they necessarily met in the middle, but they did meet, and that's the main thing. You mentioned seven and a half now in that second season. I believe that makes him the second highest play, uh, paid player next to Blake Wheeler. And if that all trends correctly, uh, if there's a deal after that, he's probably the highest paid uh, Winnipeg Jet. But that's kind of what that second year sets up for. It's the shortest deal of any of the RFAs that were out there. Uh, we saw a lot of the three-year deals. Except for Kevin LeBanc. Except for Kevin LeBanc. <laughs> I with all due respect to Kevin, I don't quite have him with we the We don't other, even include that group. in. No, there's an asterisk next to his contract. But uh, but they have, him, they have him signed, and they could have him here as early as Monday. He's got to go through some immigration stuff and get over here, but... Uh, that's uh, all good news, I would think. Yeah, I. Uh, it, it's absolutely good news. I mean, you know, Bob McKenzie, uh, you know, laid it out this morning on the big show. You've talked about it a number of times. This really was for for deadline motivated individuals. We were getting pretty close to a, a, a real deadline. Now, I know the end of November is the deadline where you can't play anymore, but. If these two situations had dragged into the regular season, I mean, we're talking about a very different framework or even ability to get contracts done. And certainly the agents for both of these players are well aware of that. And now the Connor group, I think, has a little bit more certainty because they know how much has been taken for Patrick Line. And, well, the Winnipeg Jets have a salary cap of what? I mean, if you take six, let's just call it seven. It's actually 6.75 off. 15.5. You're looking at between eight and a half and nine million dollar salary cap space for the season. I don't think the Kyle Connor number is that, but certainly if they're going to get Connor on a longer term deal, which has been rumored and discussed, um, that it will be a higher AAV. Talk about the Connor camp looking or wanting in and around seven and a half. Jets probably wanting to get something done on a six year deal in around seven or maybe less. Um, so that's something to develop, but the bottom line is that right now, First one down, one more to go for Kevin Sheveldayoff, who's going to speak at 5 o'clock, and we should have the Jets general manager a little later on in the show. Well, Connor is, uh, I mean, who would have thought that it would be Kyle Connor and Miko Rantanen are the two left that haven't been signed to a deals yet. But the fact that this is a longer one that you mentioned, six years is probably what the Jets are really pushing for here. Uh, it'll cost them a little bit more because you're eating up a, a year or two of unrestricted free agency. He's a late birthday, so it's a little bit different for him in getting to to be a UFA status. Um, so that's going to probably cost you a little bit more there. But what is that number? And then, of course, what does it leave as far as cap room for Kevin Sheveldayoff to possibly make any kind of wiggle room as the season moves along? Well, and that is a, a great Because they question. are tight, right? They are. They can't have this one go like the Nylander. Uh situation last year because it because it's a longer deal then the first year of that cap hit uh, starts to climb pretty quickly as opposed to say line a with a two-year deal had that gone to december one that wouldn't have climbed nearly as quick as the longer term deal does so uh, you know i would think then if they are close here or at least continue to talk let's put it that way i won't say they're close 
but that you should be able to get a deal done. You would think at least at the latest two weeks into the season. What? Uh, well, what do you think of the final product on the uh, on the, the line A deal? I mean, six point seven five. I mean, it kind of seems like the Jets were offering six, and uh, he wanted seven and a half. And <laughs> one team, uh, the Jets, got their number in the first year. Line A got his number in the second year, and uh, now Patrick Line will be a very motivated young man looking to have two great seasons and earn himself a big money long term contract. Hopefully, here in Winnipeg. Yeah, he's got, I mean, it's the same deal as Braden Point, right? At uh, 675 on an AAV. Uh, he doesn't have the big nine at the end, but also he's a year shorter than Point, so he'll come up quicker. He was the hard one, I think, to figure out. What is a Patrick Lining? We know he's a goal scorer. Um, what else is he, though? And what is that worth and for how long? And I think that, that became the problem for the Jets is they don't know what to offer him on a long-term deal, and you don't even know what he's going to be. You have what certainly is what you hope he's going to be, and so from a player standpoint, and I know Chipman alluded to it earlier today in speaking to the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce, is that you know it's like a Kucherov deal. Nikita Kucherov in Tampa Bay came out of his ELC, signs a smaller deal, a three-year deal. I think it was a three-year deal, and it was yep. somewhere around four, four and a quarter, four and a half, something like that. And then, of course, this deal that he starts with this year has exploded. Tore the league up and earned but, himself but, an eight-year deal. And you know what a Kucherov is, right? So uh, both sides... You know, in for the team, they get him on the ice right now. Could this hurt them down the road? Well, it might for expense, but you'd like to think if he does turn into whatever he does, that you're more than willing to pay him market value for that. So there's a little bit of a challenge for that for the Jets, but that's not something they'll have to worry about for another year and a half. Do you does it who does it make more sense, do you think, the two year term of this contract? Is it better for the player? Is it better for the team? Or is it one of those things that's mutually beneficial considering the scenario we had coming out of a really tough second half of the season for a guy that up until that point had been I mean, one of the best goal scorers in all of hockey. Yeah, I think it definitely it's better for the player in this case where you're betting on yourself and you're going to improve and the payday is going to be big. I think it kind of works against the team, albeit in the short term they've got the player. But if this guy explodes, this could be quite expensive going down the road. That's now, good though, said, isn't it? I, I think so. But again, you go back to the salary cap structure and everybody seems to think this U.S. television deal is going to break the bank. I'm I, I'll wait for that to see what happens yeah. there because you know the pie is not going to be split that thin. So we'll see what comes of it. But in the short term, I think uh, you know it, it does get the player on the ice for the Jets. But you know, longer term, this will be. Uh, let's put it this way: it benefits the player more so than the team. I think right now. Let me ask you this question, Rick, because you just brought it up, this big U.S. TV deal that has been thrown out there as a reason why the cap is going to go up significantly in a couple of years. What's the next Canadian TV rights deal going to be? I mean, $5.2 billion for the 12-year deal right now, and it's been well documented that it has not gone well for Rogers overall. They've had to make a ton of cuts of very talented people, shows, you name it. Um, you know, considering what's happened with that purchase and the term of it, is there any chance the National Hockey League can even hope to get a number close to what they have right now when they go back to uh, Canadian broadcasters for NHL rights? Yeah, that that's a hard one to answer. Or do I, they split it up like I, the know, NFL does? My personal opinion, I, no, I don't think so, especially north of the border. Now, what's the Canadian dollar going to do? That's as much of a, a question mark I have going forward as well. I mean, the league is obviously poised to take deal with the Canadian dollar a little better than it used to be a couple of decades ago. But it, it look, it is a rich deal. A lot of people have been reporting on it, writing about it. 
I don't know what the U.S. deal is going to be and how much that's going to affect the bottom line. The cap has been not really growing that fast, yet league revenues continue to grow and the agents can tell you exactly what percentage year by year, and that's kind of what they're looking at. But having said that, how many guys are in the league? 750, 800 guys in the league. You get another team in Seattle coming through. You're going to add to that again. The pie gets chopped up pretty thin. And so, you know, what's it going to affect the bottom line for all these players remains to be seen. But I can't imagine it's a drastic effect. You know, it was interesting. I was just looking at the Odd Sharks inbox, and one of our texters directed me over to Cap Friendly right now. Interesting number. The line A number is on the books. Um, the Jets right now have projected cap hit of 66640000 which with Dustin Bufflin currently suspended, leaves $14,859,000. If Buff's sake came back, and certainly the organization is hopeful, and most Jet fans are hopeful that he'd be back, you take that 7.6 off of it, and you're really only looking at about $7.3 million. So depending on... What the Connor camp is hoping for uh, when it comes to, you know, that number of seven, five, what exactly can work? And you definitely, as you pointed out, if this goes into the season, you're then probably taking that long-term deal pretty much off the table uh, because it just simply won't work with getting under the cap for the Winnipeg Jets in this season, assuming that Dustin Bufflin's number comes back on the books. Yeah, I don't know how you would, if you're the agent for Kyle Connor, how you look at that. As far as Dustin Bufflin, do you wait for a Dustin Bufflin decision? If he decides that's going to be it, I'm not coming back. It dangerous opens up. game. It is a dangerous game, right? And you're and you you're relying on somebody else. I, I can't imagine that that's a. I can't imagine that it hasn't been thought. But I don't know that that would be the strategy going down there. We don't know how close or how far apart these two are, but we're looking at a week away from the regular season getting underway. Less than a week now. And he's in Michigan. It wouldn't be that quick to get him here or even get him to New York. So I, you know, optimistic that something could even be done here before the season gets underway. All right, let's have some fun now. Patrick Line signed. We still don't know when Kyle Connor will be or when he will be. Where does Line start the season? Well, in New York, I hope, with the rest of the team. You know I know what, what you're saying. getting at. Where does, where does he start in the lineup? In the lineup. Well, he hasn't been through training camp, and I don't know that a practice or two is going to work there, so I would look for Nikolai Ehlers to be on that oh. line with Shifley and Wheeler to start, right? Now, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of suspicion that on top of a contract term and on top of the contract dollars and AAV, that there is how does this work, how does this click, and how does he fit into the plans of the Winnipeg Jets, of course, going ahead. And that may have been a big concern for him. It may not have been, but it may have been. I think that's a big reason why it's a two-year contract. Well, and you think of what, you know, his conversation with Chris Johnson during the, during the offseason and then the, the comments to Pekulonen in Finland. I mean, you know, I weigh all that as much as regretful some of it might be. You know, there is, there is that part. So he, he is locked for two years. And, you know, what have the Winnipeg Jets said to him? I don't know. What did Paul Maurice say to him when he flew over to Finland to meet with him? I mean, there is quite a bit more to this, I think, than just the dollars and the cents. So Ehlers has been in camp. They're ready to go. There's a lot of uncertainty with this club on the back end. I don't know that they can play with a couple of things here to start, but we'll watch how this develops and how Ehlers goes. Uh, But he probably starts, obviously, on that line with Brian Little. Yeah, Brian Little. Part of me thinks that, you know, we might see... And who's the other one? Rossovic? Patrick Laine with Andrew Kopp and Adam Lowry. I mean, keep in mind, where who was he playing with when the team went over to Finland and started that crazy month of November? 
it was Adam Lowry. Now, again, you know, that was lightning in a bottle. I don't know whether you'll ever be able to capture what happened in that month. It was. But why so are you beyond. sending Lowry's line over the boards? Right? Never mind who's on it. With Lowry's lines going over the boards, the number one thing I think of that line is to go up against the top line or second line of the opposition. So defense becomes a big part of that. And if you've got Cop and Lowry part of that, and you've got line A, well, I'm going to be looking for a big improvement on the defensive side then from line A. He does add a scoring punch to that line, and there is some offense with those other guys, but I think the primary job of that group is on the defensive side. Well, that's so I'd be a little has, bit surprised to see that. It certainly has been the case in the past when they've had Brandon Tanev on the line. But though I'd go back to what Paul Maurice has said a number of times in camp and not specifically about any other player, but he has mentioned that that group, if Cop is with Adam Lowry, he thinks that they are not only are they defensively responsible, they're so good possession-wise, spending time in the other team's end. If you can maintain most of that and add a guy that can score at Patrick Liney's rate, if you're spending most of the time on the other end, that's where the goals happen. Um, and it's not like they haven't tried it in bits and pieces beforehand. I'm just not sure if it makes more sense to go back yeah, I'm, and put I'm it with Little again. I'm kind of cringing at that one. I don't know that that... You know, to start anyway, maybe it's something to do explore with, but I don't subscribe to that wholeheartedly, especially if you're looking. And now I realize the ice time that that line's going to get, but at the same time, why I cringe at that is that Line is going to pick up its game defensively then. And I'm going on last year's stuff. Maybe that does happen. And maybe there was does enough. Does he need to as much playing with players like well, that? Well, I think though? you can't just be one dimensional. Right on a line, you, you're not, you, that's not going to work. I, that's I'm not suggesting that he would be one dimensional. But I think that, you know when you look at some of the numbers last year. Now, granted, he was playing much better down the stretch, so maybe that has a trend that will continue, and then that does work. But I am hesitant to think that that would, because it could be a drag on that line when it comes defensively. And again, I think the number one thing of that line is to go over the boards, is to you know go at the top line or the second line of that opposition. Yeah, the, I, I just I throw that out there because we've heard Paul Maurice this year and really in past years as well when speaking about Lowry in particular, but now that Andrew Kopp is back and their old linemate Brandon Tanev is gone, you know, this is a line that probably could produce more offense. And, you know, if you could, and when we saw it, the reason why Coach put line A with Adam Lowry going into Finland, if you recall, is that he thought that he'd be able to learn a lot of the things firsthand about what you need to do to be effective the way that those players have been. Um, I, I guess, and the other reason is, is that does it make sense to go back and put him and Brian Little together after the lack of success that they've had with the amount of minutes that they have? Well, and who's on the line with Brian Little? Who's the other one? Who's the third part of it? And well, is it past? It's mostly been Nikolai Ehlers, who as of right, right now, we've got uh, up in the penthouse with yeah, 55 and 26. There's another guy that still isn't signed yet. So all this could get mixed again. But for now, as it stands right now, maybe it's a Perot, maybe it's a Rosovic. Maybe that line looks a bit different, even though it's still little in the middle. Yeah, I don't know if it's Perot right now, considering the preseason that he's had. But uh, hey, everyone needs to step it up. At least they've got line A back. It'll be up to the coach to figure out where all the pieces fit in time for the opener coming up next week. We've got much more on this. Uh, hit us up on the uh, text line at 129090. We'll hit the Odd Shark inbox throughout the program. We're just getting going. Patrick Line has got a two year deal with the Winnipeg Jets, and you're listening to TSN Radio 1290. Uh, it's the afternoon ride on a Friday. You see D. Snyder's comments about the halftime show for the Super Bowl? He's mad. <laughs> Like the Twisted Sister yeah, guy? Yeah, Twisted Sister Are dude. you telling me he's not going to take it? He's got his own. He's not taking it. <laughs> he's not taking it sitting down. He, uh, I think he's got his own radio show, or he used to anyway. Something about hair 
Hair metal. Hair nation. Hair nation. Yeah, that's a yeah. Gentle's favorite station. Anyway, yeah, he's uh, he's not happy. Um, uh, WTF, Shakira and J-Lo for this year's halftime show. Once again, the great heavy music that rocks the stadiums week after week, game after game, is completely ignored. I guess we don't shake our ass enough. D. Well, Snyder, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, nice work, D. <laughs> well, you know what? They haven't had heavy music before. I was lucky enough to see Metallica the night before the Super Bowl in Santa Clara because even as San Fran natives, they were, quote, too heavy for halftime. So uh, I can't even remember who played that uh, that halftime, but uh, Metallica Kate? played the night before. Keith Urban for the Grey Cup, so take that. Let's bring in a guy that can't carry a note in a bag, Darren Bombing on the hotline. The Afternoon Live Hotline. Brought to you by Chris Pennycook of Royal LePage Dynamic Realty. 204-989-5000. I apologize, Darren. I don't know if you can uh, take a note in a bag or not. I haven't heard you sing. Maybe you can. Are you part of the choir in church? I didn't even know what that meant. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, but no, it's been a while since I've sang uh, outside of either my car or the shower, Rick. A long time. (laughs) Bomber, uh, big game tonight. (laughs) Jets and the uh, the, uh, Bombers and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, but the huge news yesterday broke while we were into the afternoon ride yeah. before you got going on with our Jets broadcast here is that Matt Nichols is out for the season. Uh, the Strevolution has arrived, like it or not. Absolutely it has. They're going to have to roll with this man and uh, hopefully take them to the promised land, playing in that game on November 24th in Calgary, Great Cup 107. And uh, I'm sure people are hoping he's the man that, uh, uh, you know, erases this soon-to-be 29-year Grey Cup drought. Will Chris Streveler be Sean Salisbury, or will Chris Streveler be Ryan Dinwiddie? Of course, uh, very different quarterback situations um, in, in, in each of those, and uh, Sean Salisbury winning the Grey Cup uh, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers oh so long ago. But uh, I'll be honest, guys. I feel the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are in capable hands in Chris Streveler. I have been very reassured, as I'm sure many fans have been reassured in watching his gradual progression over the last four weeks where he has been 2-2 two and two as the Blue Bombers starter, getting better every single week. And not just having one thing get better and another regress. He continues to be that physical run threat. Um, he continues to be somebody that plays with so much fire and passion on the field that no doubt that rallies everybody around him. But maybe most impressively, every week he's been more efficient. He has been more accurate, and his passing yards have grown uh, from game to game. And I think if that upward progression continues, Paul Apolise's comfort level with a very different quarterback than this offense was designed uh, to be with uh, Matt Nichols at the helm. But that continues to evolve, and I have no doubt it will be in the creative mind that is Paul Apolise. And Andrew Harris continues to be Andrew Harris and, and the guy that they really lean on in the run game and the pass game. And Chris Strebler continues to, you know, uh, 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 distribute the ball and gets it in the hands of his playmakers around him. I feel Winnipeg uh, is more than capable of winning the Grey Cup. Defensively, I feel needs to be the tip of the spear of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers push to the Grey Cup game. They need to lead this team. They need to be the reason they win games. And Chris Dribbler and Andrew Harris can provide that supplementary uh, point accumulation uh, that allows Winnipeg to win games. But I really do feel Willie Jefferson, Adam Big Hill, and CFL interception leader Winston Rose need to put this team on their back and show everybody uh, that uh, Winnipeg can still win even without Matt Nichols. Darren, there's not a lot of runway left here for this progression to continue, you know, but it, I assume they're, they don't have a choice. 
they have to work with what they have. The more that Streveler can get up to speed, great as far as you know, getting the ball downfield. I think that's more of the the deep threat that's just really kind of missing from his game at this point. No, exactly. You know, Marshall Ferguson of uh, TSN 1150 in Hamilton, the voice of the Tie Cats, is in town right now. I know you guys spoke to him uh, just the other day on the program. Um, he does a great job in mapping uh, out. Uh, pass charts and, and looking at kind of uh, the underlying uh, numbers and analytics of quarterback play as he was a quarterback himself. And he put out a meme I thought was pretty funny yesterday uh, in saying that, you know, when, when Chris Trebler, he doesn't often throw passes over 20 yards, but when he does, they're literally always touchdowns. Uh, he would probably like to add uh, a part of that to his game where he can, you know, make 20, 25, 30 yard strikes downfield a little bit more consistently and do it uh, with those difficult, accurate passes that are throws outside the hash marks. Uh, but when Chris Streveler does make those shots, he does hit on them and, and he does uh, essentially find uh, the end zone. Uh, but in the end, uh, I, I think the question you're probably leading in uh, to answer, you know, to, to asking, and that I've been asked by a variety of people over uh, the last 24 hours since we learned of Matt Nichols' injury is, uh, will Winnipeg go out and, and look for quarterback help via trade uh, with the trade deadline being October 9th at 3 p.m. Central Time? I'm not sure. Immediately people look at the Toronto Argonauts. I know there is an existing relationship there between their general manager, Jim Pop, and Blue Bombers general manager, Kyle Walters. They've made a variety of trades in the past involving veterans and roster players as well as um, uh, draft picks and, and guys that are uh, on the neg list, those prospect players that haven't come to the CFL yet, that relationship is there. Whether Toronto wants to pull the trigger on that or Winnipeg is seeking that sort of trade out, um, I'm still curious to see if that happens. But uh, Mike O'Shea's message will not waver. He, sa- he will always say he likes his guys. He has faith in his guys. And uh, I'll be honest with you, like I mentioned, with the defense uh, having to put this team on their back, Chris Trebler is capable, and I think they have a lot of faith in him uh, that he can get them uh, get them there. This, this team is built to play three-phase football, and if it is a sloppy, muddy Grey Cup 107, if Winnipeg is in that game, I like their chances uh, uh, to win it because they, they really are not built uh, to be uh, kind of a one-trick pony. Bombing good stuff. We'll see you uh, coming up 5.30 along with the uh, big guy Chris Walby and Troy Westwood for another edition of Olympic Blue and Gold Game Day. Should be a great one tonight at IG Field. No doubt. Big day on the station, guys. Have a good show, and uh, we'll see you in a couple hours. Sounds good. Thanks, Darren. Darren Bombing of TSN 1290, 5.30, as you mentioned, a Blue and Gold Game Day. Hey, we've got to take a quick time out for uh, Sports Center coming up here at the bottom of the hour with Ryan Brandt. But Lee Hacksaw Hamilton of LeeHacksawHamilton.com will join us on the other side and we'll touch on the week ahead and last night's game in the National Football League. It's the Afternoon Ride. You're listening to TSN Radio 1290. We are back on the Afternoon Ride here on TSN 1290. Olympic Blue and Gold Game Day. Big one tonight in the CFL down the street at IG Field. Bombers and Ticats bombing Westwood Walby on at 530 and, uh, you know, we've been talking really exclusively on Patrick Liney pretty much, with the exception of a few football picks on the warm-up for the last three hours. Patrick Liney back with the Winnipeg Jets, and it sounds like the uh, Chargers are going to get a pretty important part of their team back as well. Melvin Gordon, Rick. I want more money. We're not giving it to you. Okay. See you in a Just took a little while, but <laughs> no. that's essentially what came of that. Let's uh, welcome in our guy, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, on the hotline to discuss. The Afternoon Ride Hotline. Brought to you by Chris Pennycook of Royal LePage Dynamic Realty. 204 989 5000.
Lee, great to have you back on the program. We're all exhaling a little bit now that Patrick Line signed. Still one more big RFA. Uh, how uh, relieved are Charger fans knowing that uh, Melvin Gordon's back in the fold? Or considering the way they've run the ball without him, did they need him that badly? Uh, gentlemen, good afternoon. Uh, per the Winnipeg Jets, congratulations to get the bridge deal done with Line A. Still got to get uh, Kyle Connor signed. And by the way, do either one of you guys have any eligibility left to play on the blue line? Who's going to play on the blue line come opening night in Winnipeg? But, but that, that being said, uh, the, the Chargers are happy to get Melvin Gordon back. Uh, they are really besieged by injuries. Uh, they've lost another running back, Justin Jackson, who is the strong number two guy, has gone down with a calf injury in practice. Uh, they've got one established running back. Gordon has practiced for two days. I don't think he's going to play against Miami on the weekend, but there's really, really short of talent right now. They've got seven starters who have not practiced this week, so the Bolts have got some problems. As it relates to Melvin Gordon and his psyche coming back, this remains to be seen. Historically, NFL clubs, when they've had contract disputes and guys have held out and finally came in, usually forgive the fines that those players accrued while they were at a camp AWOL. That's not the history of the Chargers. The history of the Chargers is we're taking your money because you did not show up. Melvin Gordon's probably going to be out $2.3 million because I've been led to believe that the Bolts are not going to give him back any of the training camp fines, and they're not going to rescind the loss of game day checks. $2.3 million to prove absolutely nothing. Uh, now he's got to play under what's left of that $5.6 million contract with the hope he doesn't get hurt. And the reality is they still not offer him a contract extension till the end of the year. The reality is he's now at real risk. If he gets hurt, he has no bargaining leverage going towards next year's free agency. And the other piece of reality, they can still franchise tag him next year and keep him. So, yeah, they're happy he's back, but I don't know about some of these other sidebar storylines that are kind of swirling around this kid. Lee, if I uh, borrow a line from uh, Saturday Night Live back in the day, maybe Melvin Gordon was wearing some bad Igea jeans, and it didn't work out for him. But to me, the designer of those jeans might be Antonio Brown. Well, but he's you know he's toxic, and, and I, know, I know where you're going with this rookie. That, that well, somebody else will give him a chance. You think though? Well, that's the rumor. Oh but, dear. But here's the issue: the NFL still holds the hammer over him. They are continuing this it's an investigation into the second week, talking about all these people. There's a whole myriad of things that have bubbled to the surface. Uh, he's in the middle of six different lawsuits over the lack of payment of money that he owes a ton of people. He's got five kids by two women. There's a child support issue in each of those two cities, one in Pittsburgh, one in Florida. Uh, on top of that, obviously, is all the other junk he's done on social media and the Instagram, etc. So... Wherever he goes, if he goes, and I think somebody will take a flyer, he's not going to get mega money. The other thing is he is about to sue Robert Kraft, and this is going to get really nasty. This is going to be a bad, bad civil war. He was due a $9 million bonus roster payment on Monday. Of course, he got released at the end of last week because of all the social media junk that he executed. Uh, I was told that Robert Kraft was enraged because the deal they made with Antonio Brown is you're coming to play for Belichick, we're playing football, you're going to stay off social media. That lasted 10 days, and then he went on the rant, and he went after Robert Kraft. And when he brought up the, the prostitution arrest of Robert Kraft, that was the end of everything in, in New England for him. Uh, and he also attacked Roethlisberger, etc. So he's got issues. I think he's got psychological issues. He, he has acted so irrationally 
for months and months and months. To me, there's something not right with the guy, but I bet I bet somebody gives him an opportunity to come to camp. But the NFL has the right to go forward and put him on the exempt list as soon as he signs a contract. That may be a story we'll be talking about in a couple of weeks if somebody offers him a deal. Well, and it's interesting, and this is why I think he might, even if a team wanted, said, you know what, he's that good, we'll take a chance on him. The fact that they're still investigating, everybody knows about the threatening messages he sent to one of his accusers that got him let go from the Patriots and think, well, what is there in it for us? You sign the guy and then the NFL will tell you whether he can play. I mean, as great as he is, Lee, we've finally reached the point where the talent does not outweigh the drama and the problems that this guy brings to an organization. The correct word you're looking for is distraction. And and that's that's where we are right now. Uh, and and there, but historically, the NFL there's always been somebody out there that says I can solve that, I'll fix that issue because the guy does have talent. Belichick was the latest, and for the first time in a long time, this did not work out. But this was a byproduct of Robert Kraft interceding. Not only was A. B. in trouble because of the intimidation social messages he put out on media. Uh, Robert Kraft interceded, and Kraft normally does not get involved in player personnel decisions. He signs off on some of these acquisitions of Randy Moss and LeGarrette Blunt and Corey Dillon, but he doesn't get involved in player decisions. But I was told that he went in and said he is gone from our organization, and that's the way it's going to be, and Belichick had to accede to him. There's a side story. Tom Brady's unhappy. Tom Brady's really upset. Tom Brady wanted the chance to continue to work with Antonio Brown and maybe, quote, rehabilitate him. Uh, and Brady did have a conversation with Robert Kraft, I was told, but Kraft said absolutely not. And go back to what I said. The minute he put on social media making reference to Robert Kraft, the prostitution situation in Florida, he was done in the 617 area code. You can't drop an Orchids of Asia blast on Robert Kraft and expect to stay in his good books. <laughs> Amazing story. But, I mean, there's so many other crazy things that are going on. Um, I don't know if you caught wind of the Terrell Owens lawsuit. The Hall of Fame wide receiver is suing a storage company in Georgia for a million dollars. He he had a lot of his personal memorabilia possessions in a storage unit. He failed to make payments for four years, failed to respond to the bills. They informed him that it was it was going to be opened up and they were going to seize everything. They did, and they sold everything to get all the back money. Now, T.O., all this historic football memorabilia from a very, very great career has been has disappeared. It's gone out on auction and eBay, and everybody else has bought it, and now he's suing the company that did it because he didn't pay his bills. Amazing, isn't it? It, it is. In the bottom line, you don't put valuables in a storage unit. But anyway, I have somebody... And if you do, pay your bill. Yeah, exactly. that simply would be that, pay your bills. Lee, watching that game last night between the Eagles and Packers, and quite a game it was, but I don't recall uh, a game where you saw everybody stop with the worry of two guys, one from each team, being carted off the field. Oh. Well, I was very bothered by what I saw uh, because it was almost, to me, as if Jim Schwartz had that Eagle defense headhunting. They had four personal foul penalties for helmet hits. Uh, the, the horrible one at the end of the game was an Eagle player leading with his helmet missing the receiver and hitting his own teammate uh, in a terrible collision and injuring that teammate with a neck injury and a fairly serious concussion. I don't know that anybody has called attention to the way Philadelphia played that game, but if you go back and if you look, there were a ton of helmet-led hits by Jim Schwartz's defense. I think you're going to see a significant number of fines coming out of that game. It was a hell of a game. 
Aaron Rodgers played with unbelievable tenacity and courage. I mean, when you throw for 422 and run for nearly 50 and you're a one-man gang and you got your guys down there on the final series with 19 seconds to go, tremendous accomplishment. But I, I just did not like what I saw in terms of, of the attempt of the Eagles to bury Green Bay players right from the opening kickoff on. You know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It was a scary game and sort of a bad feeling, especially late in the fourth quarter when uh, the Eagle player got carted off. Uh, as far as Aaron Rodgers goes, though, uh, Lee, I, I am interested in your perspective on the fact that as brilliant as he was uh, up until the red zone, um, how do you not give Aaron Jones the ball at least once with four cracks on first and goal from the from the one-yard line? Well, I, I guess I buy a piece of it, but A, out of timeouts. B, uh, you, you only got 19 seconds to go in the game. No, I mean, I mean, the, I mean the, the time before. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, they, they had first and goal. They got stymied four straight times. They ended up getting the ball back and almost then did tie it up, but they didn't. And, I mean, the amount of opportunities they had from the one and then inside the 10-yard line, it was frankly incredible that they didn't get it in for six. Yeah, well, it's to me, it's it's a tight window to throw because you're in such a limited space and you got so many bodies trying to get the ball there. But then, Aaron Rodgers is bold and Matt Lafleur is bold, and they do have people who can catch the football. And you know, they 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 didn't complete the final pass of the game that wound up being the the interception out of the end zone uh, that ended the whole thing and, and gave Philadelphia the victory. But they're so beat up right now in Green Bay. They virtually had no running game last night. They threw the ball a ton of times. In fact, they had. They ran, I think, 71 plays to the Eagles' 58 plays in that game, and that was strictly because of the heart and the arm of, of Aaron Rodgers. So tough setback game they could have won, but, man, it was a spirited, spirited game, and I think a fun game for the fans. Well, the Eagles improved to 2-2. Two and two. That'll be Cleveland's objective going into Baltimore, but I wish them luck, Lee. Well, they got a whole bunch of things going on in Cleveland. You know, that, that first game where they had the 18 penalties, Boy, I'll tell you what, that does not say a lot about Freddie Kitchens, quote, their new head coach. And the fact that they have not been consistent moving the football in the last couple of games, and the fact that Baker Mayfield is completing only 56% of his passes, and the fact that there seems to be a little bit more heat now on Freddie Kitchens about, you might be head coach, maybe you should not be calling the plays because we're really struggling to score, etc., so this is going to be tough because, you know, Baltimore-Cleveland's a pretty nasty rivalry. Baltimore's got a pretty doggone good defense. It'll be fun to watch Miles Garrett, the great pass rusher of the Browns, go against Lamar Jackson, uh, the Baltimore move-the-pocket quarterback. But there's a lot of stuff going on in Cleveland right now. And some people are starting to question whether or not Baker Mayfield is really going to be a star in this league. Uh, the rap on him is he's strictly a, a one-dimension, first-read quarterback and then starts to run and moves the pocket and everything comes apart. He's only got a quarterback rating of 70. You know, that's, that's not a very good number. As dynamic as it appears to be at times, look at the big picture of all four quarters and how many possessions they have and do they score a lot of touchdowns, etc. So Bears watching when they play Baltimore, if you catch it this weekend, how many times he moves the pocket, uh, does he go through a progression, is he strictly a one-read guy and then has to panic? So as, as excited as everybody is about the potential of Browns football, whether it's Beckham or Jarvis Landry or or Chubb the running back, or, or the kid quarterback. Right now, things are not not hitting on all cylinders in Cleveland. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton with us here on the program, TSN twelve ninety. Lee, what is the uh, what are the NFL owners proposing to the union about the twenty twenty season that is uh, stirring up some controversy? 
Well, the story kind of leaked out late last night. The owners are proposing to the union we go to a 17-game schedule next season. You know, the NFL historically is always about increasing the revenue streams. Well, a regular season game would do that. And what they would do is would they dump off one of the preseason games so you'd have 17 and you'd have three preseason games. The other thing that's being proposed, I don't think it's been in a formal presentation yet, they are now talking about adding uh, two wildcard teams, one in the AFC, one in the NFC. It would take the postseason to 14 teams, obviously add another round in the playoffs. It would generate an enormous amount of revenue for the NFL as part of new TV contracts, etc. However, that's on one street corner. On the other street corner, you got the union that says, you want us to play 17? What are you going to give us? We want a bigger piece of the revenue pie. We don't want 47%. We want 49% or 50% of, quote, the new revenue pie. They also want increased jobs. They want 63-man active rosters, which means 63 full-time paid players, benefits, etc. None of this 10-member taxi squad that gets minimum dollars just to be around, hang around, and practice on the field. So there's a lot of give and take, but uh, the 17-game schedule, even though the union you know, publicly announced a month ago that we're not even going to talk about an expanded schedule, you know, money talks, people walks. This will be interesting to see where this goes, because I'm told the, the ownership wants to go to 17 and add the additional wild-card teams, which would be, it'd be fun for the postseason. It wouldn't impact every player in the league. It would only impact certain teams. So uh, just bears watching as we go forward because they got a bargaining chip, and obviously the union says, well, if we're going to sign off on this, you've got to give us some of that. going to be fun. Speaking of fun, Lee, uh, Miami, not fun. <laughs> the oh, opposite of fun. <laughs> you know, historically we all laughed years ago when the Lions went 0-16. And that had not really happened in decades upon decades in the history of the NFL. Perfect season. This thing, this thing could be 0-16, and, and this is just, just horrific. Uh, they've been outscored, I think it's 116-13 to 13 in the three games. Uh, they're giving up almost 500 yards per game on offense to the opposing teams. Opposing quarterback, 72% completion rate. Uh, their offense is 31st in the league. The defense is 32nd in the league. Uh, we've been told out of New York, that the NFL has questioned why they're running the franchise the way they are, because what they've done is they're, they're taking what's happened in baseball, what's happened in the NBA, quote, tanking, and that's what they're doing with this, this franchise right now. I went back and made a list. They've gotten rid of nine established starters in two seasons in Miami. Trades, releases, not signing free agents. Uh, you know, the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill's gone. The wide receiver, Jarvis Landry's gone. The running back, Jay Ajayi, is gone. Uh, Kenny Stills was traded. Uh, Tunstall, a Pro Bowl left tackle, was traded. Cam Wake, maybe a Hall of Fame pass rusher, he was uh, allowed to leave as an unsigned free agent. Uh, they're, put, they're putting no product on the field at all. And I would bet, I would bet by the end of the season, you're going to see crowds of 30,000 or 40,000 in Miami where they used to sell out forever and ever and ever, dating back to the Shula era. Their management team says, we have a game plan, this is going to work. You know, my, my opinion is, yeah, that's great. You've got three number one draft picks and you've got two number two draft picks this coming spring. But you're going to be 0-16. And, and by the way, you're paying any attention to how hard it is to rebuild a team. Uh, this looks like they're going to be down for a long period of time. Lee, great chat. Thanks for doing this. And we'll look forward to uh, all the great info at LeeHacksawHamilton.com on the weekend and next week. We'll talk to you next Friday.
My pleasure, gentlemen. Enjoy the opening two of the NHL season. Chat with you again. Appreciate it. Thanks, there Lee. he is, the man Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. A quick timeout. We'll come back with more on the afternoon ride. You're listening to TSN Radio 1290. Well, the ride continues here on a Friday, and uh, Jets fans will be pretty pleased to know Patrick Laine has been signed for two seasons, and uh, any conspiracy theories can now be tossed out the window. <laughs> yes, Laine is back. He'll get $6 million this season, 7.5 next year, and he will be, in a lot of ways, betting on himself that he can move on from uh, some struggles at points of last season and uh, you know move onward and up where, with such a promising young National Hockey League career here in Winnipeg. And, uh, man, it comes at a great time because we were getting down to the short strokes before this puck drops on the season. Now they've got line A, and we can only hope that we might get an announcement on Kyle Connor at some point. Well, for lucky today during the show, uh, but at least some point maybe over the weekend, heading into next week, and then we can just worry about Dustin Bufflin. I believe it's the well, you mentioned Buff. The Earl of Eli has sent us a tweet saying, "Hey, fellas, not listening right now." Well, first of all, fix that, Earl. Yeah, or come on. Uh, not listening right now, but do you think that line A contract might have some hidden meaning like the fact that the GM maybe knows Buff is coming back? That's why line A didn't get more. Have a great weekend. There's no commas in there, so I read it just as it's been typed, and he forgot a period <laughs> at the end. So uh, Twitter, Earl, Earl, yeah, I guess so. Uh, those are completely two different situations. The line A contract, even the, the Kyle Connor contract, I never thought those were together. Uh, other than maybe the team looks at it from just trying to keep both of them under the cap. Right. But the Bufflin situation is independent, and it's kind of on an island. Yeah. I mean, listen, if all of a sudden these two guys both got eight-year contracts at $9 bucks or something, then I think we could make a deduction that, well, they obviously know he's not coming back because they spent his money. Uh, but the way the Jets proceeded throughout the entire offseason was to do the things they had to do and give them enough money to sign both Patrick Laine and Kyle Connor. And while it does look like it's going to be tweet, if you take uh, be tight, if you take away the Bufflin money, uh, according to Cap Friendly right now, the Winnipeg Jets have fourteen eight five nine. You take seven six off that. That is just under seven point three million dollars for this season's salary cap, and uh, I imagine that will be, you know, a number if they're going to get Kyle Connor at term in and around six years. Uh, I would imagine it would be less than that seven point three number to uh, to make it happen. But yeah, I don't think the two things are, are 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 connected, except for the fact that if they had any clarity that Bufflin was going to be gone, then I'm not sure it affects the Connor and Line as much as it would affect maybe what they're doing to try to shore up the defense position on the team going into the season. Yeah, I'm Bob McKenzie on the big show this morning talking about his thinking is Connor's looking somewhere around seven and a half million, so that wouldn't fit with the numbers that you're just throwing out That's there. That's what they want, yes. What we, what we do know, and, and, and I love this, again, we go back to last week and the uh, social media, um, what is it, Instagram shot yeah. of Buff out eating. Instagram and course, insiders. Yeah, Coach uh, coming back with uh, Damn Him, he's out there eating again. Uh, Remus has shown us a picture of Buff once again spotted in a restaurant uh, this is a little more of the fast food variety in the last week. And again, so Buff out eating, uh, patronizing uh, the uh, businesses here in Winnipeg. Yeah, well, it was a Subway. And uh, I'll tell you what, Fair that's probably was it a, a good 16 thing. Was it a 16 or a 12? I didn't quite concentrate on the sub. You know what? And we couldn't even tell if it was the uh, the whole grain or if he went with the Italian herb and I cheese I did notice bread. that he had a tray, so he wasn't getting it to go. He perhaps sat and ate it in the uh, restaurant. Yeah, just a uh, you know, quick you pop call in. the restaurant? Well, absolutely. Okay, fair. Well, what else would you I call I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, Sports Center coming up at the top of the hour. Perfect. Chris Thorburn is going to join us next, uh, coming up at 4.15. And Frank Saravalli, 
apparently uh, Ray is out making video games. Yeah, he he is is unavailable to join us. I have NHL 20. I've actually been playing it quite a bit over the last couple weeks, and uh, it's cool. Ray Ferraro is the voice of the game with all the analysis. And yeah, they get there in the EA studio every couple weeks and grind out, you know, a number of hours and add it into the game with um, up-to-date information in and around the league. So a good thing he's going in today. He can talk about Patrick Line's new two-year contract when he records for EA, but Sarah Valley will join us in his place. Yeah, we'll look forward to that. As uh, Tony Randall was always in a glass case for Letterman, and anytime they were sort of a guest, they broke that, and Tony Randall will come out. We're going to break it, and out comes Frank, as you mentioned, Sarah Valley. All that straight ahead here on the Afternoon Ride. Sports Center next, and what's trending on the hits on top of that. Next on TSN Radio 1290.